I'm thrilled to have you in studio, Roger. And man, the time goes really quickly. I want to get into this whole whole piece that you've done that we have. Uh, we've just published at americhicks.com. What difference does property make? Property rights abused in Denver. And this is the whole Tom's Diner thing. This is a hill that we need to die on. The property rights is inherent in the American idea. And it is a reason why you can go over to a grocery store. Capitalism and property rights. You can go over to a grocery store. I stopped in and and the, the choices, it's just amazing. You can work hard and you can trade your money for whatever you want in this grocery store. And there's so many options. You go down to Venezuela that used to be a really prosperous country. No matter how much money you have, you might not be able to buy anything. Right. So property rights. Uh, the piece that we have is what difference does property make? Property rights abused in Denver. And it's this whole Tom's Diner story, which it looks like uh, the Denver um, Landmark Preservation Commission. Whenever you hear the word commission, it gets me crazy um, (laughs) because they're unelected. You know, they're not accountable to the people and they are just willy nilly doing their will. And they were trying to take Tom's property. But explain that. Okay, so first thing I got to do is I have to say this topic is part of the uh, curriculum of the leadership program of the Rockies. Uh, there's a day where we discuss right to violate rights, and that's a question, rather. And Dr. Cranowitter delves into the Federalist Papers, where they talk about property as well. Dr. Cranowitter teaches, of course, at Leadership Program of the Rockies as well. And I, should and I wanted mention, to make sure, yeah. Yeah, and I should mention that you actually are the founder of the L- uh, Leadership Program of the Rockies a Mentor Group. Yeah, the Mentor Group, where, where alumni get together and support and uh, t- students currently in the class. And I just want to make sure everyone out there knows, if you have any interest in LPR, go to leadershipprogram.org. Applications are due in five days. Mm-hmm. Is the cutoff for class of 2020. So this is the type of content that you get in that program. And so uh, Tom's Diner, Tom, and, and you can read the uh, the op-ed that, that I put out there. But Tom, as I understand it, went into, uh, he bought this diner 20 years ago, and I believe it was an initial $800,000 investment. Now, I don't know about you, Kim, but I don't have $800,000 laying around. I can't write a check for that. So what Tom had to do was take financial risk. He had to take loans. He had to find other investors, people. He had to go into debt. He had to leverage his future. Assuming he has kids, I don't know this man, but if he has children, he leveraged not only his future, but his family's future. I've been in the restaurant and banquet industry. It is nights, weekends, holidays, long hours, dirty work, difficult stuff to deal with sometimes not such great customers, sometimes great customers. So for 20 years, this this man has has leveraged his future and his family's future and put in long, hard, arduous work to try to create to create this this thing of value. And just to point on that, I had lunch at Tom Steiner last week. Oh, you did? I did. <laughs> i got to go there. And yeah. you know what? They're open 24 hours a day. 24 hours. So when you're talking about what hard work that industry yeah. is, just do it 24 hours a day. I mean, anyone who served tables will tell you that you spend your time on your feet. Anyone who's, who's tried to manage one of those places will tell you that it's difficult. It's a difficult industry to manage, and we don't have time to go into the... I've had friends that have owned restaurants. We don't have time to go into the details on that, but... It's hard work, and it was it was risky work. Um, now he has created value for years with this organization. Now that this this um, restaurant is has got this retro kind of nineteen fifties Art Deco sharp angles type of of uh, feel to it, and so the value that Tom has created in this diner is not just the diner, but in the land. I mean, he's got this land. He owns this land. He owns this property. Now the area it's in Aurora, I believe. No, it's in Denver. Or it's in Denver. I'm sorry. It's that's right. It's in Denver. Um, the, the area that where this diner is needs housing. People need places to live. So you would think that a natural out, out 
you know, growth of government given this is that if the property owner wanted to sell this property and develop housing, given the fact that it, he should have the right to do it. In fact, that right should be protected by government, not infringed upon. But here comes the Denver uh, Landmark, Pla- Preservation Landmark Preservation Commission. Commission. And a commission it is. And so what they did uh, was they reacted actually to some people in the community who decided that they did not want Tom to raise the diner and then build um, other, other uh, uh, housing there because they like the way they feel when they go by it. And they, they think that it's a, it's a neat place and the, ar- the architecture of it is, is wonderful. And so after 20 years of work and financial risk and entre- genuine entrepreneurship, these people want to swoop in at the last minute and say, no, Tom, none of that matters. It's ours. This is ours. This is our quote unquote communities. And the Denver planning, the Denver Landmark Preservation Commission decided, okay, yeah, we'll listen to you. And they voted unanimously. They voted unanimously to stop Tom from selling his diner and creating the housing that's needed for the community. Organic economic growth is what Tom wanted. And the planning commission came in and some kind of, you know, I don't know if they live in Denver or who they are, but these citizens, like I said, have to live in Denver. They said that they they didn't want that to happen. So they violated his property rights. So then they brought this before city council. And so they brought this application to, in essence, basically take Tom's property. Yep. Uh, because what they were doing is is saying that he can no longer do with his property what he wanted to do. And as I walked over to Tom's Diner for lunch a week or so ago, I went past just a block away, um, uh, you know, some uh, apartment buildings that are going up. So how is it that this piece of land over here, it's okay, and this piece of land isn't? It's like government's picking winners and losers. Do you see how the, the word I like to use in these kinds of situations is arbitrary? This is arbitrary. People arbitrarily kind of identified Tom's Diner as a place that they like. And again, Tom, hey, we mentioned this last time, but Tom had a great quote. He said, you know, I'm, very, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said something to the effect of, I'm gl- very glad people like my diner. I wish they would have come in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and eaten and, there. And, yeah. <laughs> would you know, have been great. Let's go to break, Roger. Um, this is so important, property rights. And, uh, and we've not been teaching how, you know, just how inherent this is to people being able to thrive and prosper and flourish. So this is Kim Munson in studio with me. It's Roger Bianco. Go to americhicks.com to see this fabulous op-ed, and we'll be right back. Thrilled to have in studio Roger Bianco, my friend. You are the the founder of the Leadership Program of the Rockies Mentor Program. Yes. And as you mentioned, if folks are interested in applying, uh, it is a very competitive process to get in. Mm-hmm. You have to apply. Uh, those applications are due by the end of this month, so the end of this week, I guess. And you need to put in an application and ha- have two letters of recommendation. Yeah, the letters of recommendation aren't required, but they're helpful. I mean, if someone can get them, that, that would, I mean... They're good to have, but they're not required. You can apply without the letters of recommendation. We welcome a lot of people to come in and apply for the program. And, yeah, it's competitive. I think they take I mean, we take 65 plus or minus people mm-hmm. and, and more than that apply. Mm-hmm. So there's an interview and all sorts of stuff. But it's, it's a fantastic experience and gives you a perspective um, that you didn't get coming through school most likely. Really, it makes the case for the American idea, capitalism. And, Roger, I'm a graduate of the class of 2012, and uh, I, I really wanted to get in, and I wasn't sure that I would. And, actually, Shari doesn't recommend this. She's the, But I got, I think, five to seven letters of recommendation okay, yeah. just because I was trying to, you know, stuff the ballot box. Yeah, you know? yeah stuff the ballot box. I remember coming out of my interview, I called my wife, and I go, honey, I've been interviewed for a lot of things. That was the worst interview I've ever had in my 
Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's it tough. is tough. It's tough. So, but it's but a gotta, good it's a good thing to do. And thank you for for putting together this mentor group. But let's jump in here, Tom Steiner. You, yeah. the peak. Well, where do you want to take us on this, Roger? Well, so so in the op-ed, I talk about how it, it, as I thought through this situation with Tom Steiner and and the people in the neighborhood who decided that they wanted to lay claim to his property and the planning preservation commission or whatever you want to call it that wanted that that was trying to put the force of law behind that um, movement. I, I thought about. A similar situation, if you, and a lot of us have been in this situation where we're, we're at Christmas morning and we're sitting around and, you know, you got the sights and the sounds and the smells of, of everything that that entails. And then all of a sudden you hear one child yell out, mine, you know, really loud, mine. And another child say, no, it was a gift. And they go back and forth. I, I thought, well, that's kind of the same thing happening here, because when a child looks at another another child's toy and kind of covets that, they feel like they have a sense of ownership over it, right? And and based on nothing other than an arbitrary dec- declaration, them grabbing the child and say uh, the toy and saying, this is mine, they lay ownership, claim ownership over that, when in actuality it is the other child's toy. The victim in this, in this, in this scenario is the other child. It is not... Um, the, 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 the child who feels like they want the toy or that they lay claim over the toy. That's precisely what, this, you know, and an adult, this is an adult version of that. People walk by, they look at Tom's Diner and they think, oh, that's a great looking place. And then maybe they caught wind that, that he's going to sell. Oh my God, I can't, you can't tear that down. We have to preserve this. This is an old building. We've got to preserve this because I like this and this is an important blah, blah, blah. And so they make all of these arbitrary declarations and then they get this stamp, this quote unquote vote from this committee mission on elected people. Uh, and then off you go to the Denver city council. And so it, it, it's just, well, and, and the commission can still do that. I know that they've withdrawn that. I'm not sure why they did it, but they, they could still go to the, to the city council. Um, it, it just, it, I, I thought about it as a scenario. This is the same thing. It's the same thing as a, as a parent adjudicating an argument between two children over a toy. And there is a clear, um, right and wrong in that situation. And as it seems, there's a clear right and wrong in this situation. And the, the, the right being that Tom is the rightful owner of this property and he should have the right, the very real and constitutionally protected right to do with this diner what, what he so chooses. It's, and it, he's going to provide needed housing for the area. Um, all things do not have to be driven through government. And it seems like this... Um, government commission decided that they wanted to be the arbiter and other areas of this of the city decide they want to be determine where the housing goes or who's who's going to win or who's going to who's going to who's going to sell their property and be and make profit off of it and who's not going to i mean it's his property i just feel like the victim in this whole thing is tom after 20 years of hard work and great financial risk this kind of his kind of behavior should be protected and rewarded by government it should be protected and rewarded, meaning his his right to do what he should with his property should be protected. His his behavior should be rewarded, meaning he took the risk it's and he work. was the one who did the hard work. Entrepreneurship, right? That That's what's going to lead to revitalization of a lot of these areas, not this kind of arbitrary government action. Well, and speaking of that, I am trying to slog through 300-page Blueprint Denver that was passed by Denver City Council uh, <laughs> in April. And what they are going to be doing is basically mapping out every acre of Denver. And then they have this vision of an inclusive Denver. So that means that each of these parcels uh, will need to be inclusive. So what does that mean? That means that government is going to say who, you know, they'll probably have percentages of 
you know, income and, and, you know, race, gender, you know, whatever. They're going to say that to have an inclusive Denver, each of these parcels need to fit into that box. Instead of, we mentioned about organic, how, mm-hmm. how people would, would actually, you know, make the neighborhoods the way they want to because they're voting with their dollars on what they, they buy. Precisely. And there, there are people who, it's not just forcing um, certain people to not live in an area, but it's forcing other people to live in an area. What if someone is part of the, I don't know, inclusive means, who knows, whatever the Denver, what if someone who fits into one of the categories that the Denver City Council decides that, or the city of Denver decides that they want to categorize them as, says, I don't want to live there. I want to live in that neighborhood. And that neighborhood is not designed to be, quote unquote, inclusive for someone in your category. Really? I mean, this is what government is is now to the point where it feels like, I mean, that's that's the strictest version of parenting (laughs) I could possibly imagine. And the funny thing about this is that it this relates exactly back. We talked earlier about Tom Craner, Tom Craner in the Federalist Papers. And we don't have a lot of time, so we'll get to this probably next time. But there was a lot of wisdom in those documents. The documents of the founding of the United States have, are often dismissed because they're old, right? Um, and, and I always, I think I might have mentioned this one of the last times I was on the show. Um, one of the things that LPR taught me, not only, but they're old, but they're timeless. M- much the same way that Shakespeare, you can't dismiss Shakespeare. There are thousands upon thousands of Shakespeare festivals every year in the United States over the summer. Um, and Shakespeare hits on things, concepts that apply just as much today as they did when he initially wrote all of those plays and sonnets. And so um, I think that's what the founders did. And, and they, there was actually in, in, in Federalist 62, why don't we end on this, Kim? Because this will give us a sense for what we can talk about last, uh, next time, which is um, this is Federalist 62, where, where Madison is talking about the need for clear, concise, and non-arbitrary government, Right. So what he says is he says, um, when you have arbitrary government of this nature, you build a building there, but not there. You can violate property rights there and there, but for two different reasons and blah, blah, you know, this is what government does. He says, what prudent merchant will hazard his fortunes in any new branch of commerce when he knows not, but that his plans may be rendered unlawful before they can be executed? What farmer or manufacturer, and this is the operable sentence, what farmer or manufacturer will lay himself out for the encouragement given to any particular cultivation or, or establishment when he have, will have, he has no insure, assurance that his preparatory labors and advances will not render him, or he, sorry, uh, when he can have no assurance that his preparatory labors and, and advances will not render him a victim of an inconsistent government. Specifically in this paragraph, um, Madison addresses public councils. So he's not just talking about um, the national government in Federalist 62. He's talking about everything. So the point being here, what he's saying, if I can just translate this into today, he's saying um, you can't – inconsistent government creates an inconsistent environment in which people who are creating jobs and value for other people operate. And that – eventually when it gets so inconsistent and arbitrary, people stop doing things. People stop taking the kind of risks that Tom took 20 years ago. What Madison wrote 250 years ago directly applies to Tom's designer's situation today. In my opinion, there's a lot of wisdom in that document. Nothing that can be thrown away because if we throw it away, we get situations like we have right now. You got it. Roger Bianco. We are out of time. Thank you so much. We will get you scheduled for next month again. And your op-ed is at americhicks.com. 